Welcome to Scripps Talks. Today we have Ben Schwartz joining us. He is currently a fellow in the Scripps Statehouse News Bureau, working with WCPO.com in Cincinnati. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you, Dr. Stewart. Very happy to be here. Ben graduated back in December, and prior to that, he worked at WOUB many, many hours. He has that kind of classic example of a Scripps kid who gets very actively involved in student media. Tell, tell me about your experience at WOUB, Ben. It was an incredible experience. I didn't really get super into it until my sophomore year. That came after taking the uh, News at Noon class with Mary Rogus and Tim Sharp and everyone, which was a great introduction to TV broadcast journalism, for me at least. Learning to make packages and report on local news really opened up my eyes to how much fun I could have doing stuff like that and how the work is actually important, especially in Athens and Southeast Ohio, where it's kind of an area that doesn't get too much news coverage at all. Just after seeing the types of stories we get to report on for the local area, that kind of made me realize that this is what I want to do with my life. And from there on out, I became a part of WUB, reporting, anchoring shows, and producing. Once I started, there was no turning back. I think it's the engagement with the community is what made me stay having such a good time at WUB. We um, had gotten notes from viewers before. Allison Hunter, who's the incredible editor-in-chief, would um, always relay messages we get from people calling in, either sometimes critiquing our coverage or telling us what they like which just to know that people are watching and actually appreciating the news that we're gathering was something I never expected when I came to OU even. I always imagined if I were to be on TV, it would be like just news about the university. To have an opportunity to really work in public media was the opportunity of a lifetime that I could not let pass up. Since you graduated, you have been able to get some statehouse bureau experience covering statehouse news out of columbus give us a sense of what that experience was like before covid19 and then what are some of the changes that covid19 has brought about it really has been a complete 180 since covid came around you know it took two to three weeks i'd say to kind of get the hang of how the statehouse works every day house and how everything worked definitely that first week was I can't say rough, it was a great time through and throughout, but it was definitely hard to kind of understand how to really find out what's happening. The people in the State House News Bureau, um, people from WOSU and the Ohio Channel, names like Andy Chow and Karen Kassler, Joe Ingalls, have been the most helpful people in the world during all of this. What I ended up learning is really that You have to hang around everywhere and just word of mouth hear what's going on because there's a schedule posted on the state house's website every day of what meetings are happening and what bills are up but you don't really know what's going to be talked about in every committee hearing until you hang around and get the feel of what the representatives and senators are working towards and talking about The first big real story or bill passing I was covering was Ed Choice. There has been an issue surrounding Ed Choice, the private school voucher program in the state for a while. People argue both sides of it, that it was taking money away from public school funding. And then other people argue that 
you have a right to choose the type of education you get, which ended up with the last thing I was covering before coronavirus being these super, super late conference committee hearings with Republicans and Democrats from the Senate and the House. They went past midnight a good amount of the time. And so I went from stuff like that with sitting in on arguments from representatives and senators, hearing testimony from citizens on their point of view and just getting their point across to the legislators, normal legislative business, I guess, from that to coronavirus hitting. It kind of happens pretty quick, the turnaround in Ohio from normal legislative business to pretty much nothing happening at the state house other than Governor DeWine and his core administration speaking to the news every day. I'd say the turning point was the Arnold Sports Festival, huge event that happens in Columbus every year with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was kind of up in the air whether or not it was going to get canceled. I mean, looking back at it, it's a no-brainer to cancel something like that. But this was kind of right as coronavirus was becoming a big deal in America. Nobody knew what was going to happen with the Arnold Sports Festival. The governor ended up hosting a press conference, I think, around five o'clock one day over the weekend and from there on out it's kind of just been every day at the state houses me heading over around one o'clock and having the privilege to ask the governor a question every day definitely just so different from what the state house was like at the start of my time there when i had no idea that this was going to be how i how my time here ended i want to follow up on two things one obviously covid19 has changed the mechanics of how you do your work, not just what you're covering, but you know how you cover it. So talk about the, the daily approach to how you are covering news coming out of the state house. Right now, my email has hundreds of questions sent in from WCPO viewers. A normal morning for me before receiving your call for all of this, I was Going through those emails, also Facebook comments on previous articles because I've been publishing pretty much one a day during the week at least recently. And we're really just asking viewers to tell us what they want to hear us ask the governor or Dr. Acton or people from his administration, which is completely different from earlier. At the start of my time at the State House, I would head in around 9 and be in there. I have a great set up things to Ohio University, my own little desk in the broadcast newsroom at the bottom of the state house, which those days would normally be me getting in. There's some committee hearings in the morning, usually a couple days a week, a Senate or a House session where they'll be voting on and discussing bills. Obviously, the governor and his administration tell the public to only leave home if it's essential, even for work which really for me means only leaving to go to the state house for the governor's daily press briefings at two o'clock. So waking up and starting to go through questions, it's been a good time, honestly. There's such a variety of different people sending in what they want to hear, and it's a big variety of different issues too. So it's a struggle in a way, having to only pick one question to ask every day because every question that gets sent in by viewers is completely valid and needs to be answered in its own way. 
I'm thankful that I'm able to be that voice for people in Cincinnati right now. But some days it comes down to combining a bunch of questions into one and also knowing what types of answers you're going to get. Because at this point, there have been countless press briefings with countless questions asked by me and the handful of other reporters there. So a lot of times people are desperate in getting an answer, but I also can understand that the governor, the lieutenant governor, Dr. Acton, are not going to have a straightforward answer, which is kind of sad sometimes. Definitely the biggest change is my interaction with viewers and the governor. If there's one thing I can, I don't want to say thank COVID-19 for, but one semi-good thing that's come out of it for me is my access to the governor and his administration. I never expected to be asking Governor DeWine a question every day. The biggest thing right now is these questions getting sent in from viewers, though, and it's a struggle finding out what's the most important one to ask every day to have to leave out countless very important ones as well. As you reflect on this job that you're doing on behalf of the viewers, but you could also say the citizens you know, of Ohio, as you mm-hmm. reflect on what you're doing and you're thinking about how you just graduated from college and here you are asking the governor a question, when you reflect on that, what do you think about it? It's such an amazing position to be in. You know, it really, really is. And I mean, first of all, Dr. Stewart, I cannot thank you enough, Dr. Suttis, and I mean, the whole Scripps Foundation and everything for this opportunity. Even before I had this access to the governor, I was having the time of my life. This is the coolest opportunity I've ever had, honestly. It's crazy for me to realize the opportunity I'm in the middle of right now, being able to ask Governor DeWine whatever we deem most important every day, and to get thoughtful answers from him and his administration, too. I really believe they've done a great job of being accessible to the media. It's been an incredible experience. I've never in a million years expected to have this type of access. I'm definitely thankful for it. I'm sad that it comes under these intense and far from ideal circumstances. Just to be able to see changes happening firsthand is really incredible. I know if I wasn't able to be there every day, I would be watching the governor on TV at 2 o'clock. But to have this experience of going to the state house and so i mean now i'm not sure if tv viewers are super aware but every day at two o'clock at these press briefings the press we are in our own room and the governor is completely separate from us i haven't seen him in person for some time now and we ask our questions to a tv camera that gets streamed over to him and that's how we hear his response which for me as a young reporter is kind of ideal too because At the start of these coronavirus briefings, we were in the same room as the governor, and I was able to get a question in if I needed it. But it was also your classic, when you hear President Trump during his daily briefings, it's reporters yelling out questions, which is a normal press conference. As the young guy in the room, it was a little hard for me to get my piece in if I really needed it. Today, though, now, with our setup with the camera and being in a different room than the governor, we just line up. So you get to be one-on-one with who you're asking your question to. And I can tell they know who I am at this point, which is a cool feeling in itself. I never expected to be recognized by the governor. 
How did that come about, you think? Definitely this daily thing that WCPO has set up with me, Ben asks a question. I mean, that has given me the reason to ask him a question every day. I'm sure there is always something I could ask, but having viewers send in their questions, and usually when I ask the governor one, unless it's like a combination of a bunch of different ones, I will say this was sent in by a viewer. They're worried about this, this, and this. He's even commented before saying that you always have great questions from your viewers. So that definitely played a big role in it. My opportunity through WCPO and the interaction I've been having with our viewers as a result. The really only other explanation for me having this access to the governor is the coronavirus. I had been up and close with him before all of this happened. He's a very active governor. He has at least had public events pretty regularly before COVID came out. And he would always go out of his way to have a gaggle with the press, with him standing right in front of us, basically. So I was always able to ask the governor questions there and then. But just this basically guaranteed spot every day is, for me at least, unique to coronavirus. I know this would not be the opportunity I had if it wasn't here. Where did that idea germinate from? Was that an idea from you, or was that Mike Cannon, or or somebody else at WCPO? It very well could have been Mike Cannon's idea, but um, I... I'm in touch every day with Megan Goth from WCPO. That's who I report to usually. And she's the one who messaged me one day saying that they want to start it. She threw out the idea of putting up a Facebook post, asking our viewers to send questions in. And we actually initially only expected far from the vast number we're getting now. We were imagining having a Google Doc where we could put a few questions in every day that people send and pick from there, but we very, very quickly realized that there were too many questions to at least just way more than we expected. I go through them all every day, but it's in the hundreds. That first day, I think there were two or 300 comments on the Facebook page before midnight even, which definitely, it was great to see all the engagements, but it also made me realize very quickly how important this is to the viewers and how much they need answers to their questions just to see in a matter of hours hundreds of comments it was i remember looking at it at one point it was like more than 10 of was really i i understood how important coronavirus coverage was at the time but just to understand how important it was to the people of cincinnati and the area around there to have their voices heard and their questions heard and answered it means so much for me to be able to do my best to make those voices heard. I don't know if you ever, in a million years, you know, when you started as a freshman at OU, could have imagined yourself in a State House news <laughs> setting. Never. I mean, the State House news, if I'm not correct on this, you can correct me, but my guess is it wasn't really on your radar. Is that is that a fair statement? It, no, it was not. And again, I have to thank Dr. Suttis from the bottom of my heart for encouraging me to apply for this position. I mean, definitely as a freshman, I never, ever would have imagined this. And even before Dr. Suttis mentioned it to me, it, I really did not expect to do anything like this. I love local journalism, and it's what I grew to love working at WOUB by the time I was ready to graduate. 
I knew it's what I wanted to continue doing, and I still want to continue doing it. But also, during my time at WOUB and my time at Ohio University in general, definitely gained a big interest in politics. And so once Dr. Suttis recommended this to me, it became all I cared about. <laughs> I really wanted it, and I'm so happy I was able to be here. And honestly, it, it's kind of like half and half now at this point, half coronavirus for the second half of my time here and the first half being normal political work, which it, it's just such a unique experience, I feel like, without much transition time even it kind of just went from one to the other i would say no i never ever expected to be working at a state house as a freshman or even as a senior really the state house news bureau opportunity has been the opportunity of a lifetime and now i have to figure out how to try to stay in politics afterward i grew up in illinois glenview illinois a suburb of chicago and i'd never been to ohio before coming to visit ou and I really have grown to love the state so much. I think growing to love the state while covering local stories in Athens, I mean, I did it every day during the school years at WOUB, especially this past summer. I was an intern with WOUB for the summer, which really let me immerse myself basically as a full-time journalist in Southeast Ohio. And covering local stories like that I would be out over the summer in Meigs County all the time, somewhere I would never have the time to go during the school year with classes to cover stories. And being able to get out and around Southeast Ohio made me fall in love with the state so much more that being able to see politics at the state level function day to day just made me love the state even more. Not even like talking about my political views or anything, but just seeing the government function and I had spoken with Jay Edwards in, my, in the past that during my time with WOUB, and that was really the only thing I'd covered state government-wise when he was having debates for like the 2018 election. That was my only touch, only time I really touched state government, and I loved it then, but just never saw it as a future for myself. Having the opportunity to use the little bit of knowledge I had learned about state government from my time at OU and just be able to let it translate into all of this has just been such a great time. And I've, I can't even say how much I've learned just about government functioning. Like, I remember my first few weeks here kind of just sitting around and being like, this is everything I ever learned in a political science class finally happening in real life in front of me, like the terms you would learn. I just never thought that I would have the opportunity to experience stuff like that in person. I mentioned earlier the Ed Choice Conference Committees, which in my first few weeks at the State House, walking into these, having no idea how long a normal conference committee goes for, and then ending up in this room past midnight, running outside, interviewing teachers and coming back in. There was just surprises around every corner. The skills I've been able to apply have been so, it's just been a lot of things I never expected. Well, the last thing I want to ask you about are, are the protests that you've been oh, seeing yes. and covering. And I saw one of your posts where you talked about the size of the protest. Yes. And I'm wondering... To what degree are you having to think about, you know, how you represent things like the size of a protest? Because obviously that is part of the story of the protest. 
I will say those protests, the first one that I posted about on Twitter, it was, I think, two weeks ago at this point, around two weeks ago. You know, I tweeted out this video of people marching in front of the state house. I think I said big protest outside the Ohio state house today. That was the first sentence in the tweet that I just explained why they're protesting. And then that video very quickly got some traction. Last saw it a few days ago and it had around 120, 130,000 views, hundreds of replies and retweets. And I'd never had anything on Twitter. I, I don't know if blow up's the right word, but get anywhere close to that amount of engagement. And as a result, there were a decent amount of people in the replies. And I remember one person just saying big in quotes and other people saying, is this really that big? And it made me realize that I probably should not have said it was big. It was around 50 people, I'd say. It looked big to me in the moment. I was walking into a normal day at the state house for the governor's press briefing, was not expecting a protest outside. They were making a lot of noise, and I took that video and tweeted it out. I ended up retweeting a re different reporter's tweet, or quote tweeting it. She had said, was just trying to give people an idea of how many people were at the protest, saying around 50 people, as far as protests I've seen, it's on the smaller side. So I retweeted it, saying, uh, I may have been wrong to call this protest big. Here's a example of how many people were there. So, yes, in retrospect, I should not have called it big. There's been criticism, too, of giving the protesters too much coverage. Tyler Buchanan is a great reporter for the Ohio Capital Journal, and he tweeted out a thread the other day, not exactly, not like violently defending his coverage of it or anything, but um, kind of responding to critiques of people's coverage of the protests. And everything he said is basically my situation. We, as reporters right now, there's not much to cover other than coronavirus. The options I've seen pretty much are coronavirus, what's happening, what's the governor, the government saying, how are hospitals doing, what are the, the case numbers looking like, and then feel-good stories. I know people are supposed to be graduating soon. I'm sure there's going to be people having their own safe ceremonies in their own unique ways. But that's kind of it. So when we walk into the state house and have this story kind of given to us right in front of our faces it's hard not to record it and i mean i posted it on twitter i mean wcpo is also interested they want to hear what the protesters are saying they want me to get some interviews and some videos of it happening because regardless of how you feel about these people protesting it is still happening outside the state house we are now Reporters, like I said earlier, are in a different room than the governor to question him every day during the press briefings. Before, we were in the State House atrium, which has a lot of windows to the outside. A few days after that first video, they got a lot of traction. There were more protesters, more than the previous time, and they were banging on the windows of the State House. You could hear it through the TV. If you were at home watching on a stream or something, you could hear it through that. <laughs> Honestly, I was sitting down looking at them 
wanting to go take a picture, but not wanting to be the first one to stand up and do it. One reporter eventually did, and about five or ten of us followed. It's tough on deciding whether or not to give them attention. The governor will tell you it's their right to be out there every day, and he has no intention on stopping that from happening. What I'd say about the protesters, too, is that they're incredibly nice to reporters. I know they want the coverage. That's why they're there, to have their voices heard. They're incredibly nice to the reporters. They are definitely causing a ruckus, enough of a ruckus to get the whole press corps moved to a area far away from windows and to have the state house locked up basically when they're out there two days ago i had a rough time getting into the state house i stayed outside for a little bit into the start of the governor's press briefing because i was out there interviewing protesters and then when the time came for me to head back inside every door is locked and the ohio highway patrol is basically the security for the state house and I had to bang on the window to get their attention to be able to get let in. And it's also with these protesters, it's the closest I've ever been to multiple assault rifles, which it's just a wild scene to see. To go back to calling it big, I do think in my first tweet, I should not have called it big just because I simply should have put out a video and reported what was happening, that there were people outside the state house. A couple days ago, for the most recent protest, say it was a bigger one compared to others, which was definitely true. But something I did, I've realized, especially after the most recent protest, is that it looks a lot bigger when you're standing in the middle of it. Um, they're loud, there's cars honking from the street driving by megaphones, lots of flags, lots of military gear. And when you see all of that as a whole in person, walking as a part of it, basically, it looks massive. It looks like this huge group of people. But I went home after, opened up Twitter and saw some aerial shots. It wasn't that big. It was a hundred something people. But they, without a question, got their voices heard with the help of the media too. The governor addresses them, at least, when they're out there saying that it's their rights. You know, it's been a thrill covering that as well, to see the frustration people have, which is definitely valid, too. People are in a tough position right now. It's a balance between understanding that we have to do what we have to do to contain COVID-19, but also having to make a living. And our government has been tasked with the impossible task of figuring out how to help everyone during this, which, again, going back is why I feel that it's so important to ask our viewers questions every day. There's a lot of valid frustration happening right now because people are uncertain about the future. And to see that manifest in its own way is it's wild to see. And an incredible opportunity to report on being inside the state house atrium and having protesters bang on the window and yell and truly look angry is a sight i never in a million years thought i would see it's surreal honestly it's a shame that it has to happen that that our country is in the trouble it is right now 
but as long as it's happening, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be there and witness it and report on it and talk to people from all sides and get the story. It's been incredible. Ben Schwartz, wonderful to have you on Scripps Talks. Thank you very much for being here and, and carry on the good work. Thank you so much, Dr. Stewart. Very, very happy to be here and I appreciate you having me.